This is Dr. Benny Tate, and I would like to thank you for tuning in to this week's message at Rock Springs Church. Wherever you are, I hope this message encourages you and helps you grow in your walk with God. Here's this week's message from Rock Springs Church. Proverbs 22, verse 6 is super familiar to us. And it reads like this. It says, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Again, just one verse. Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for your spirit and your presence in this place. Thank you for the worship. God, I'm so thankful for the privilege we have to worship. I'm not going to let a rock cry out in my place. Lord God, we're going to worship you with our mouths. So we lift you up today. Be exalted in this place. In Jesus' name. And together everyone said, Amen. You can be seated. You can be seated. Now we began this uh, Family First series, message series, just a few weeks ago. And we started out, Pastor Benny started out week one with what every wife needs. And the place was packed. We moved on to week two, what every husband needs, and nobody came. Nobody cares what the husbands need. I've been streaming that message. It's got all-time views in my home. I've been just playing on repeat, praying God does something special. But I drew the short straw this week. We're talking about what every child needs. Now, when I said that in the first service, I saw like five of my kids' teachers leave. They're like, what does this guy know about parenting? Like, I, I, I know his kids. So like, please don't leave, I promise. Hey, I don't even think I know much. I got every word of this from Pastor Benny. So you can just rest assured it's all Pastor Benny approved. And uh, so you can trust it. It's the word of God. And uh, I kind of feel like the guy, you know, he had, he, before he had kids, he had five theories on parenting and no kids. And then he had five kids and no theories. Like that's kind of how I feel. Pastor Benny says it this way. He said, I used to preach when I was young. Uh, I used to preach a message on parenting. He said, I preached 10 surefire steps to raising a godly, healthy, productive child. He said, and then I had a child and I changed the message. He said, I changed the message to three things you may want to try. They may or may not even work. <laughs> I, I, I understand. I've got three kids myself. I get it. Like, I am learning. I am learning while driving the wheel. I'm trying to figure it out. I've got two that are teenagers and a 12-year-old, which is worse. <laughs> I don't know. It's just a wild season right now. But I do know, I probably identify best with the story, you know, they, they say when your kids are young, you know, they're so sweet and cute, you just want to eat them up. And then when they get older, you wish you had ate them. <laughs> like, I should have had a barbecue. Like, I mean, I'm just kidding. Don't write me a dirty email. Like, I'm kidding, kind of. But hey, listen, I'll be honest with you. I also realize that parenting... And, and raising children, whether they're grown and they're out of the house and maybe you've got grandkids, whatever season of life that you're in, a lot of times in parenting, we associate some of our greatest regrets with parenting decisions. 
We associate, if I, if I, maybe if I, if I had done this, or if I had took this approach, or if I had only done this, or if I had only done that, maybe my child wouldn't have had the pain they had, or maybe they wouldn't have experienced what they've experienced, because I know there's nothing more, imparent, more important to us as parents than our children. There's nothing that means more to us on this planet than our children. And therefore, it's very important to us. But see, we started out this message with a proverb. And the proverb that you know really well. And we've held it against ourselves. We've said, Proverbs 22, 6, it says to train up a child in the way they should go. And when they get old, they will not depart from it. So apparently you didn't train them up right. Well, hey, if that's the case, if that's the case, then Adam would have never sinned. Because Adam and Eve had some pretty good parents. And they lived in a perfect garden scenario. But you understand, this is a proverb. And there's a difference between a proverb, which is a principle, and a promise from God, which is ironclad. See, you, you can hang your hat on a promise from God. A promise is concrete, it's absolute, it's always right, and there are no exceptions. That is not the case always with a proverb. It is rarely that it is just an absolute and without any exceptions. I've met many of good parents, good parents that had good homes that kids grow up, grew up and they chose a different path. See, because kids get to pick too. I've told my kids a lot, I wish I could make some decisions for you, but I can't. And you're too stupid to make good ones, so I just gotta sit back and watch. Like, I mean, I'm just reaping what I sow because my mama probably thinks the same thing about me. But it's tough. It's difficult. And on the contrary, I've seen people that were raised in terrible homes and they grow up to be good kids. What in the world? It's a proverb. It's generally true. And there are things that we can learn from proverbs within the Bible. There are principles that are important for us. See, this proverb, because it is a proverb, it doesn't give us an out to say, well, good, that I don't have any responsibility. No, we still have an obligation as parents to train up our children. That word train, it's a Hebrew word where they would take dates and they would put it in the mouths of the children, the babies, little pieces of dates that were sweet, and it would, it would induce the instinct to nurse that the children would start to learn and they would say, hey, you need to wet the palate. You need to start getting them prepared to make good decisions. You do have a responsibility as parents. I have a responsibility as a parent to train up my children. So how do we do it? How do we do it? We got a lot of content, so we're gonna move fast. So I hope you're ready. So how do we do it? Number one, we gotta love them. We've gotta love them. That's hard sometimes especially if you've got kids like mine. I'm kidding, kinda, I'm kinda, kinda kidding. Atlas Psychology told it this way. They said the number one need of all children is love. Duh, like we all need love. The Beatles told us that. Like, we all need love. We know that love is important. Jesus, who was the perfect father, God the father in John 3, 16, he said, for God so loved the world. He loved us. He loved us. It's important that we love our children. Psalms 103 and 13, it teaches us to love our children. But how do we do it? 
What are some practical ways? Well, hey, letter A right there in your notes is that we say it. There's a profound thought. We say it. I know that sounds simplistic, but for some of us, it's difficult. Especially the older they get. When they're babies, you're like, I love you, little baby. And then when they get older, they're like, you want a fist fight? Like, I don't know, if you drive by my house and, and me and my kids are rolling around the yard, we're probably not playing. I mean, I, it's, I'm not, it's not above me, I promise you. I got crazy all in me. So like, I can definitely go for it. Like, I, I just... I just know that it's important that we say it, that we tell them that we love them. You see, because Jesus said it this way in Luke 6, 45, he said, out of the abundance of the heart, it's the mouth speaks. So when we love our children, it should just come out of our mouth. Now, again, I understand for some of you, it's difficult to say, but I encourage you, we've got to say it. And I don't care if you say, well, hey, I, 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 I needed this message 50 years ago. Start today. Start today. Well, I never said it like I should, you know, and I just don't, I, it's hard for me to do that. My kids don't really receive it well. It doesn't matter. Do it anyway. They need it. And it's important for us, no matter what stage in life we are in our parenting, whether they're grown and you got grandbabies, say it. Say it. It's never too late to start saying it. Charles Stanley, who's the founder of In Touch Ministries, famous pastor in Atlanta, First Baptist Church in Atlanta, just passed away, had a wonderful ministry. His son, Andy, was with him when he died, and he said on many occasions, he would say this, but he said, the very last thing that my dad said to me, he said, I couldn't be prouder of you, Andy. See, the weight of our words, our words, mom, dad, our words are powerful. And when we use those words to say, I love you to our children, it is powerful. We've got to say it. Let her be there. We've got to show it. We've got to show it. God did it in Romans 5, 8. The Bible tells us, but God demonstrates his love for us in this. What did he do? While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He demonstrated it. He put his money where his mouth was. He literally said, for God so loved the world, and then he gave. He gave his one and only son. See, God demonstrated that, hey, we've got to put some action behind our words. We can't just say it. We've got to show it. See, Chuck Swindoll is talking about affectionate dads or unaffectionate dads. He said, many a young woman who opts for immoral sexual relationships does so because she can scarcely remember a time when her father so much as touched her. Unaffectionate dads, without wishing to do so, can trigger a daughter's promiscuity. See, Ruth Graham, the daughter of uh, Billy Graham, raised in a great home. She said, I've been married for 20 years. She tells her story. I've been married for 20 years. I had three children. I thought my marriage was good, but turns out things weren't good. She said, my husband had been having affairs within our marriages. She said, I was devastated and our marriage ended. She said, I was suicidal. I was at the lowest point of my life. I didn't know where to turn, what to do. She said, I was making a lot of bad decisions. And she said, I married again on the rebound. She said, my, my father, my mother both told me this is not the right man for you. This is not the right decision. And I ignored him. I just really didn't listen to any wise counsel. I just ran out and I married this man. 
And she said, within 24 hours of the marriage, I knew I'd made a mistake. She said, he was abusive to me. And she said, I took it for as long as I could take it. And one day I just threw all my stuff in a car. And she said, I left out of the driveway, not even sure of where I could go. And she said, I sat in the car and I thought, where can I go? And she said, I decided I was just going to go back home. I was going to go back to mom and daddy's house and just face whatever I had to face. She said, I don't know if my dad got word in advance or that I was coming or what. She said, but as I topped the hill, she said, my daddy was waiting out in that driveway. And she said, as I opened my door, he wrapped his arms around me and just said, I love you, Ruth. Welcome home. Welcome home. See, there's so much power when we, when we show it, when we show our love for them, when we love them. But not only do we love them, number two, we lift them. We lift them. And what I mean by that is we encourage them. We lift them up. We encourage them. We, listen, it's real easy. And if you're like me, you're, you're constantly on alert for all the kid, things your kids do wrong. And you're always, you know, you're kind of rebuking and correcting and rebuking and correcting. And you're, you're always on them and always on them. But it's important that we find things within their life and within their, their world that they do well and encourage them. That we lift them up. That we intentionally lift them. God the Father modeled it with Jesus. I mean, he was getting baptized. And in Matthew chapter 3, Matthew chapter 3, God the Father, a voice from heaven said, said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Like that, that's a pretty strong statement. God the Father said, hey, I'm, I'm pleased with him. He encouraged and lifted him. See, not, not all kids are the same. See, I know for some of you, 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 you want your kid to be athletic, and maybe they're not. Or maybe for some of you, you want your kids to be academic, and maybe they're not. Maybe you want them to be one way, and maybe they're not. But kids are different, diff, they are all gifted in many different ways. Some are artistic, some are musical, some are good with their hands, some are not. But they're all good, and they all have giftedness. They all have things that we can find, even as adults. Listen, it doesn't matter at what stage you say, my kids are grown, this message is not for me. I promise you pick the phone up today and call and encourage your kids somewhere. As a grown adult, they're gonna appreciate it. They're gonna, it's gonna mean something, maybe something more than ever before when you call them and tell them how proud you are of them, how much you love them and how much you appreciate all that they're doing and who they've become. You find opportunities to encourage them because I heard this quote, we have to parent the children that we have, not the ones we thought we would have. See, while we were busy making plans and planning everything out and how our kids would turn out, they just turned out. Life happens. They get to pick. They get to choose. The Bible says, I set before you good and evil and you choose. They had the same choice. And you just got to love them right where they are and encourage them right where they are in everything that you see that they're doing well. But not only do we lift them, number three, we limit them. We limit them. I'm talking about rules and discipline. First Samuel chapter three, we, we hear about Samuel. He's a young man and he's early in the temple life. He's going to become a prophet, a great prophet. But at this point in time, he's young. Eli's the older prophet, the, the one of the, the house that is ruling and he's older and he's about at the end of his ministry. And a message from God comes to Samuel. 
Because Samuel had made a grave mistake. And it says in 1 Samuel 3.13, here's the message to Eli or to Samuel for Eli. It says, for I have told him, for I the Lord have told him that I will judge his house, Eli's house forever for the iniquity which he knows. Because why? His sons made themselves vile and what did he not do? He didn't restrain them. So you mean to tell me that Eli was going to be judged just because he didn't restrain his children? Yes, I am telling you that. God said he was going to judge his house forever. It's important that we restrain our children. Not everything is good for them. Not every action is a good action for them. And we need to do our best to limit them. Children play better around fences and inside of fences when they know those boundaries. See, it's important. Paul, in Colossians chapter 3, he began to talk about the family. And in Colossians chapter 3, beginning in verse 18, he starts talking about the wives. And then in verse 19, he talks about the husbands. And then in verse 20, he immediately says, Children, children, obey your parents in all things. Now, I had this thought in the early service, first time it hit me, I need to put that on my kid's wall at home. Like, I don't know why I just thought of that, but like, that would be awesome. But children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. See, you know what this verse presumes? We're actually going to have rules. This verse presumes that you're going to tell your kids something that they're not going to want to hear, that they're not going to want to do, and they're not going to want to follow, and they're going to just say, well, the Bible tells me to obey my parents, so I'm just going to obey them. Some of us have a hard time giving our kids rules. Some of us have a really hard time enforcing rules with our children. But Paul was saying, hey, kids, Hey, here's something that's important for you. There's going to be some rules in your life, some situations in your life that your parents are going to put on you, that are going to limit you, and you are going to need to obey them. And that's pleasing to the Lord. Edward, the Duke of Windsor, he said this. I thought it was comical. He said, the thing that impresses me the most about America is the way the parents obey their children. You seen that? Seen that where... The kid's running the mom, the mom's running the dad, and therefore the kid's running the whole thing. Homes flipped upside down, out of balance. And the kid's running the whole dad blame thing. It's not how God wants it to be. So why do we limit our children? Why do we discipline them? Why do we do this? Letter A there, because it teaches your child, it teaches them your love for them. It teaches your love for them. Hebrews 12, 6 says, for the Lord disciplines and corrects who? Those he loves. He disciplines and he corrects those that he loves. In Proverbs 13 and 24, it says, whoever spares the rod actually what? Hates their children. So if you're sparing the rod, you hate your children according to the Bible. But the one who loves their children is careful to discipline them. We must discipline our children because it teaches our love for them. Not only that, but it teaches a child respect. It teaches a child respect. Hebrews 12, 9 says, moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and we did what? We respected them for it. 
You see, I'm not saying that it's a scenario where right in that moment, but kids that had rules and had boundaries in their lives when they were children, they do grow up to respect the parents that they had for giving them those boundaries. When they're old enough to realize it, when they're old enough to, to, when their brain actually develops, they actually then get to the other side and they say, man, I'm so thankful for a dad and a mom that had rules and kept me from doing dumb stuff because my life is better because of it. See, kids need boundaries. And it teaches them respect. Not only that, but it teaches a child to do what's right. It teaches a child to do what is right. Here's the verse, Hebrews 12, 11. This is a good one. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. <laughs> Heads up. Yeah. Anybody didn't know that? Like, I, I mean, I was beat a lot from my mom when I was a kid. You can imagine. It's a wild Indian. But um, not beat, like, don't call defects on my mama, for God's sakes. But, but she wore me out. She believed that verse, spare the rod, spoil the child. Like, she was going to not spare it. She was going to break it off on me. But listen, I needed it. I needed it. It's fine. But listen, I turned out okay. Kind of. But no dis discipline seems pleasant at the time. Of course it doesn't. When God disciplines us, it doesn't seem pleasant at the time. It doesn't seem good at the time, but actually painful. Discipline, it seems and feels, and it's real, it feels painful. But later on, way later on, once the sting is worn off, once your brain develops fully, later on, way down the road, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. We've got to discipline. We've got to limit our children because it teaches a child what's right. It teaches them what, what is right. It has a harvest of righteousness. Harvest of righteousness. So not only do we love them, not only do we lift them, not only do we limit them, but number four, we lead them. We lead them. We have an obligation and a responsibility to lead our children, to model for them. Abraham Lincoln said it this way about the proverb. He said, there's just one way to bring up a child in the way you should go. And that is to travel that way yourself. It's to travel that way yourself. You see, it's important for us to realize that kids aren't gonna always just do what we tell them to do. There'll come a day where we, they're gonna do what we do and do what we've done. And we need to understand that we need to model for them what we want for their lives. Even you say, well, my kids are grown, then model for them how to be an older adult. Model for them how to age well and how to be a, a great uh, parent as an older person or a great grandparent or a great great grandparent. You just model for them how they should treat the, their spouses or how they should, should age well. Give them a model. Let them see it in you. See, we've got to lead them. In January of 2006, Rodney Atkins, who was a, a country up-and-coming country music guy, he released a song, and it went to number one in January of that year, 2006. It was a hit, 
played all over the place and everybody was singing. It wasn't a bad song, but some of the lyrics were a little questionable. And his son came home one day who had gotten in trouble at school. Son gotten in trouble at school for singing the lyrics of his dad's song. Rodney said it had a profound impact on my life. He said in the same year, I wrote another song, another number one song. It went to number one in the nation. And it was a song called Watching You about his son's perspective. And this is the lyrics to the chorus. It said, I've been watching you, dad, ain't that cool? I'm your buckaroo, I wanna be like you and eat all my food and grow as tall as you are. He said, we've got cowboy boots and camo pants. Yeah, we're just alike, hey, ain't we, dad? I wanna do everything you do, so I've been watching you. See, it can, it can be a, a, a positive or a negative, but they're watching you. They're watching you. And hey, they get to see you at your worst and at your best. But they see a lot of the times when somebody cuts us off in traffic. Like, don't do this. Whoop, you know. I mean, my wife just yesterday said, I, we, we were, at, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just kind of like, all the way, you know, whatever. And so like, I'm sitting and I'm waiting and, it, and it's like, you know, I feel like you got to shoot the gap. Like you got to go. Like you can't wait. If you wait for the cars to part and the oceans to part, you'll sit here all day. And I'm like, whoop, whoop, whoop. you know, I'm jumping out and she's like, oh my God, kid, do not do what your daddy just did. Like you're going to get killed. Like, like, well, they're driving fast. Why? I mean, like I'm getting out there. See, we've got to lead them. We've got to lead them. See, it's a powerful leadership principle for moms and dads, not just a leadership principle, but a parenting principle, but it's monkey see, monkey do. Monkey see, monkey do. I promise you, they're gonna do what you do far quicker than they are gonna do what you say. You see, we can't lead where we don't go. See, our children aren't as apt to do what you say if you don't. If you're not doing what you're, if you're not drinking the Kool-Aid, if you're not selling, listen, let me just give you a clue. If you're selling a Kirby vacuum cleaner and you don't own one, don't come to my house. Like, I ain't buying what you're selling. You ain't buying what you're selling. Like, drink the Kool-Aid. Like, if you're going to sell it, you got to own it. See, we've got to lead where our children by example, but not only do we lead them, not only do we lead them, but number five, we lay hands on them. And I'm not talking about like beating them. We already covered that, all right? Not that kind of label. I mean, that's important, trust me. I'm talking about praying over them. We gotta pray for our children. We gotta pray for our children, and hey, we need to pray with our children. Lead them in prayers. Allow them to pray. Teach them to pray. Teach them how to pour their heart out to God about what's going on in their life so that they can grow up and know that I have an advocate and that advocate's the Father and I can take my need and I can cast my care on Jesus because I saw my daddy do it and I saw my mama do it and I watched them pray and pour their heart out to God. You see, we've got to, we've got to, lay our hands on our children and pray for them. See, Hebrew culture, ancient Hebrew culture, for thousands of years, the Jewish nation, the parents, 
they would lay their hands on their kids and bless them. In Numbers chapter six, it records it. Made it into a big song now that we sing and worship. But this is the verse. It said, the Lord bless you and keep you. So you can imagine an old Jewish Hebrew man placing his hands on his children and saying, may the Lord bless you and keep you. And the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord lift his countenance upon you and may he give you peace. They would pray that blessing over them every single day. And listen, I'm not telling you have to pray that blessing, although that's a great one, but you should be praying blessing over your children. There's power in your words. There's power when you say something to God on your children's behalf. Mother, father, there's power in your prayers for your children because nobody is gonna pray for them more than you will stronger than you will with more fervency than you will no one will nobody will pray for more than you it's important Hebrews chapter 11 gives us faith's hall of fame it's a big deal Hebrews chapter 11 you got all the greats in Hebrews chapter 11 Moses and, and Noah and you got Rahab and Enoch and Abraham the father of the nation and Abraham had uh, Isaac and then Isaac had Jacob and they made it in verse 20 and 21 and the whole reason that they made it into faith hall of fame according to the Bible is that they just laid their hands on their children and blessed them now they did some other things pretty good but what God remembered and what for all eternity has remembered and acknowledged for them is that they laid their hands on their children and they blessed them. You see, there's power when dads and moms pray. There's power when grandparents pray. There's power when you bombard heaven on your children and for your grandchildren and for your great-grandchildren. Randy Travis, he's probably one of my, or maybe my most favorite country music singer. He wrote a song and it says this. It says, 17 and wild, I hit the bottle. Doing anything I dang well please. He said, I was burning down life's highway at full throttle while mama burned a candle on her knees. He said, then one day I came home half sober. I saw mama kneeling in the den. He said, I listened as she and Jesus talked it over. And I knew my restless days were about to end. He said, when mama prayed, good things happened. When mama prayed, lives were changed. He said, she is not much more than five foot tall, but mountains, big and small, crumbled all away when mama prayed. I want you to know there's so much power in your prayers. And when you pray for your children and you cry out to God for your children, there is power in those prayers. And every child needs, they need us to love them. They, they need us to, to lift them, to encourage them. Our children, our grandchildren, they need us to limit them. I'm sorry. But you gotta do it, you gotta be the bad guy. You can't be their BFF. They got a lot of BFFs. 
But your mom and dad be different. They need a leader in the home. Stop trying to dress like them, live your life through them. Look, get over it. Good grief. It's a joke to everybody with a brain. You got to limit them. You got to lead them. And you got to lay hands on them and pray for them. It's important. Our children need us. And as parents, grandparents, we got to step up. Thank you for joining us for this week's message from Rock Springs Church. If you would like more information about Rock Springs, be sure to follow us on social media or connect with us at rockspringsonline.com. Join us right here next week for another message from Rock Springs Church.